This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel, and here we learn about plants, how to care for them, how they work, and I keep it simple and taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can enjoy. Join me in plant school. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so this is episode 53 of Plant School. Today, we are talking about another plant myth, which surprisingly, a lot of people have really loved these episodes, and so I'm going to keep going with them. And today, I'm going to dive into if plants can smell. Before I go into it, a majority of what I'm going to be talking about today is information that I largely got from a book called What a Plant Knows by Daniel Chamovitz. And such an interesting book, if you're interested in plants at all. It was a great read. And in one of his chapters, he talks about if plants can smell. So obviously, plants don't have secret noses. You know, it's not like how we are built, right? But they do process smells in our way. So before we dive into exactly how plants do that, just a review of how our noses work in case... I don't know. I'm not very familiar with how our noses work. It's not something I keep in my back pocket of knowledge. So our noses, they have thousands of receptors in them and they receive airborne chemicals and those chemicals send a signal to our brain that lets us interpret that particular smell. And plants, they perceive odors through stimuli, but they don't have olfactory nerves like we do. So it's not exactly the same. Don't feel like I'm telling you that plants work in exactly the same way that we do when we are interpreting smells, because I'm, I'm not. That's not how it works. The question arises, how does one figure out if a plant can smell? Like, what, what kind of experiment do you do? How, how, do you, how do you do that? So, this actually started A while ago, in 1924, there was a scientist from the U.S. Department of Agriculture. His name was Frank E. Denny, and he demonstrated that plants perceive chemicals to know when to ripen. If any of you are in Florida, known for its citrus, right? And it was a very common practice to ripen citrus in these sheds. And these sheds, they were heated by kerosene lamps. We're talking, you know, early 1900s here. I don't think this is how they do it today, but they believed that it was the heat that ripened the citrus. When electric heaters came along, they switched to electric heaters and all of a sudden, 
the citrus would stop ripening. So obviously something was amiss, right? It it wasn't the heat that was causing the citrus to ripen, but it was something else. Frank, our our scientist from the US Department of Agriculture, he demonstrated that it was the kerosene smoke that contained small amounts of ethylene that induced the ripening in the plant. So there was some way that these plants were detecting that there was ethylene in the air and it would induce ripening. Frank found that treating fruit with pure ethylene gas had the exact same effect as using kerosene lamps. So if you had a citrus shed and you put the kerosene lamps in, it would ripen them. If you had a citrus shed, that's really hard to say, citrus shed, and you put it with electric heaters, wouldn't work. But if you pumped it with pure ethylene gas, it would still work. And so this is how Frank E. Denny found out that these plants were perceiving ethylene gas in the air and were ripening. So how how does fruit ripen all on its own? You know, there, people aren't out in an orchard pumping out ethylene gas, right? We're not doing this to our plants and somehow telling them to ripen. They're doing it themselves, right? So fruit naturally gives off ethylene as they ripen. So that's why when you place an apple and like a really hard pear in a bag together, the pear will start to soften up, starts to ripen, and it is because of that ethylene gas. Apples are a a big producer of ethylene, and so somehow that apple is communicating via ethylene that it is time to ripen to all other fruits, right? And fruit, it does this to its advantage. It's to ripen in large waves. The reason why um, it is evolved this way for fruits to ripen in these large waves and produce ethylene altogether was to attract animals to these huge amounts of of ripe fruit. They're all ready to go so they will come, they'll eat the fruit, and they will disperse the fruit seed via poop. Not very, not very, you know, lovely to think about, but that's, you know, that's the way fruit works, right? Fruit isn't the only plant that does this. Ethylene is actually very important in the fall time. It is, it's in charge of leaf senescence. So leaf senescence is simply telling leaves when it's time to fall. And ethylene gas is a big part of that. Next question that comes to mind naturally is, are plants only reacting to ethylene to ripen? Or are there other chemicals uh, that they can smell? Are there other examples of them smelling, of plants smelling? So there's a really interesting example with the plant Cuscutta pentagona. It's also called the field daughter. That's its common name. So there was a doctor, Consuelo de Moreas, and he had been studying field daughter, and he found out that this plant finds its host by smelling it. So it's a parasitic plant. Parasitic plants, they, they feed off other plants, right? They take advantage of, well, it doesn't have to be a plant. It could be some other living organism, and they take advantage of them to survive. And so the field daughter, this plant, it finds its host, its plant host, by smelling it. The way it grows is it siphons off sugars. It kind of sticks itself into the host's phloem. You know, that's where the, the sugar and the water is going through the plant. 
And to find that host, to find its phloem and stick itself in there and get the nutrients it needs, it finds it via smell, which is really interesting. This doctor, Moraes, he found that you could even trick the field daughter if you had the essence or the fragrance of a tomato plant. Because field daughter, its main host, I think it might be its only host, is the tomato plant. So he would just kind of swipe uh, a cotton swab on a tomato plant to get the fragrance of it. And if he placed that cotton swab near the field daughter, it would go for it. It would go after this little cotton swab so it knew the smell of the tomato plant that it needed to survive. Somehow it had evolved over time to be able to pick up this smell and be able to start growing towards that smell so it could find its source of food. So if plants can use smell to find sources of food, you know, what else can plants do with these senses of smell of them being able to distinguish different you know, chemicals in the air. Here's another example that I thought was really interesting. In 1983, there were two scientists, David Rhodes and Gordon Oriens, and they found that trees could warn each other of leaf-eating insects. There is some way they, these trees were telling each other, right? They Obviously, they don't have mouths. They weren't shouting it out. But they found that if you looked at the neighboring trees of the, of the trees that were infested with tent caterpillars, I don't know if you guys have ever seen tent caterpillars. They're really common here in the western United States, but they kind of create these like nests. It almost looks like a mass of spider web, but inside are all these little like caterpillars that are developing and when they're ready to go, they break out of their little tent, this mass of silk web and, you know, start eating leaves. They're they're great for trees. That's sarcastic. Um, So anyways, when a tree was infested with these tent caterpillars, their neighbors were less likely to be munched on by the caterpillars because their leaves all of a sudden had higher contents of tannins and phenols, making them less palatable to the insects. Now you probably, I don't know, I feel like the average person doesn't know what a tannin or a phenol is. It's basically just a chemical that can be found in leaves. They're very bitter. Tannins I would describe of like that very bitter taste when you eat, oh, a sour grape or something like that. It's kind of like that sticky, bitter feeling. That's what tannins are. Just know that insects don't like them. They won't attack trees when they have these high levels of tannins and phenols. So leave them alone. And so the trees, they don't touch each other that they found in this study. They weren't touching each other's. Their roots didn't connect. So they weren't the the trees weren't you know communicating to each other via roots via touch there was there was some other way they were communicating so they did some tests and they found that there were airborne pheromonal messages that were being sent from the infested trees to the healthy trees so these pheromonal messages as you know like humans emit pheromones right it, a lot of people think or maybe I don't know. I haven't studied pheromones, to be completely honest. My interest is in plants, but pheromones can attract you to certain people. It's kind of just a certain smell that you can't really like detect very well. And so these pheromones are being sent by trees, to the infested trees, to the healthy trees. They were letting the healthy trees know, hey, there are tent caterpillars 
And if you want to be unaffected by them, for them not to eat you, you better start producing tannins and phenols. That's basically what the signal was relaying to them. So this study has been reproduced. These studies were met with skepticism at first, but are now widely accepted. So further studies have found that attacked leaves will emit odors to be taken up by other leaves on itself to start producing the unsavory chemicals to deter the insects so it can actually help the very plant that's being attacked. And neighboring plants notice these chemicals and start defending itself as well. It's not only they're trying to like be good neighbors, but it's more they are trying to protect themselves and their neighbors are picking up on those pheromones and starting to produce those chemicals that will deter the insects. And this is actually something that's really common with trees. So I studied plant science. Once my professor told us this story about how someone, they had bought a cabin up in the mountains. There's a lot of aspens around where I live. They're really great trees. You know, they, people love them because of the way they look in the wind, the way they sound in the wind. They're called quaking aspens for a reason. And so anyways, these people, they decided to buy some aspen trees from a local nursery. They brought them in and planted them in their, in their cabin up in the mountains, not in their cabin, on their cabin property. You guys know what I mean. All of a sudden, the trees that they had planted, deer would come in and eat them, like eat all of the leaves, and these trees would have no chance. But there were, you know, hundreds of aspens around their cabin, and the deer weren't touching those. So like, what was the problem? Turns out that the aspens that were growing in the mountains were accustomed to these deer they had built up those unsavory chemicals in their leaves, so the deer didn't really like eating them. They weren't as tasty, whereas the ones that had grown up in a nursery with no deer around to eat them, and they weren't sending out those chemicals that, hey, deer are eating us. We need to be producing more bitter leaves so that they will stop. These trees were growing up great in nursery. They would come to a place in the mountains where the deer were, and they would get eaten up because their leaves hadn't communicated that. They hadn't had the chance. No deer were eating them, if that makes sense. All of these studies that I've talked about just go to show that plants do have a way of being highly sensitive of these chemicals in the air, you know, these pheromones, these other chemicals that are being sent out, ethylene gas, right? They can pick these up they communicate a great deal of information for the plant, whether it's to create more tannins and phenols in their leaves so that bugs and deer will not eat them as much or whether it's to start to ripen the fruit all at a time plants are communicating via smells and via chemicals in the air which I think is really cool you know they don't have olfactory nerves like we do that send messages to the brain and they've actually only identified one receptor in plants so far it's called the ethylene receptor but they do respond to chemicals in the air just as we do. You know, we, we can smell a perfume, we can smell a meal cooking, and that causes, you know, our mouth to salivate. Not when you smell perfume, just when you smell food cooking. Just clear that up. You might smell perfume, you think, oh, that smells nice. But for plants, they are responding to these chemicals in the air, and they are using it to their advantage to survive and to thrive. And I think plants deserve a bit more credit than we give them. They are much more interesting than I feel like we give them credit for just because they are stationary and sit around. You know, we don't quite recognize all the things that they are doing, all the internal things that are going on. 
With that being said, the answer to the question, you know, myth or not, can plants smell? They can. They can smell. Their range of smell is limited, but it is highly sensitive and it communicates a great deal of information. I hope you guys enjoyed listening and I will catch you next time. Thank you for being here and listening today, and I hope you'll join me next week. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it going, you can find the support link below in the description and donate. Or, I have some awesome Plant School merch, including stickers, shirts, and mugs, and the link to my shop is in the description as well. And if you don't want to spend any money but still support the podcast, share this podcast with a friend, either verbally or electronically. This will even qualify you for my giveaway. Just message me on Instagram at tinnyplant that you shared the podcast with a friend, and you'll be entered in for a chance to win some goodies. Winners will be announced on the podcast. Again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week.